This is your Lady of Scarlet, Brittany Sherman, and I am flying solo this week, kind of. We all know the craziness that has been happening, at least anyone that's listening upon release of this episode in hopefully a couple weeks or a month or maybe we're still relevant in a couple of years. No one's going to know what we're talking about. But of course, I am referring to COVID-19 coronavirus craziness that has all sorts of nutty things happening in the world right now. I am here uh, by myself and we're going to do something a little bit different this week. Uh, Typically, we record every other week. We have a couple of episodes. uh, We record three episodes at a time, really, and we get everything set up for two weeks' worth of content, ready to release. Our standard recording session was scheduled for last week, but uh, there was some illness and some family drama, so we plan to record a new episode this weekend, but we are now... uh, split up because of the coronavirus. We don't have it. No one is sick. We're just taking an abundance of caution and we will be back next week hitting it hard so that way we can hit all of our expected release dates. We promise every Sunday and every other Wednesday and we are going to continue to do that. So in order to not miss this week, We realize that we have now released 20 episodes, and as such, we're doing kind of like a clip show, a best of, of our first 20 episodes. Now, you know we've said it enough that we are both in the entertainment industry, and if this was any other situation, and a TV show, or another podcast, or anyone decided, hey, we've done 20 episodes, we've got enough for a best of, I would be the first one crying foul. That is ridiculous. Clip shows are lazy. As far as I'm concerned, inexcusable. There's no such thing as a best of after 20 episodes. But life being what it is right now, we really want to stick to our guns and release on schedule and maintain a normal cadence. So this is kind of what we're left with. Uh, We're going to be featuring some things that are new that you haven't heard before. Uh, Some edits from some of our previous shows that didn't make the final cut. Believe it or not, we do a lot of talking. And oftentimes, a lot of stuff doesn't make it in. And some of it's actually pretty interesting and sometimes pretty humorous that just isn't totally relevant to the topic. So we're going to offer some of that here. And really just give an opportunity for you guys to hear some of our favorite moments over, for uh, well for us, is the last six months. 
But before we dive in, there are a couple really exciting things that I do want to talk about and shout outs that I want to give. Uh, since we last recorded, we have joined the Pod All the Time podcast network, and we are so excited to be part of that podcast network. Uh, it's a bunch of independent podcasters that are doing it for the love and passion of podcasting and trying to make a name for each other and really out there supporting and giving props to each other. So uh, big shout out to Pod All The Time Podcast Network, to Pod All The Time, at Pod All The Time PN on Twitter. And we want to shout out to the Pod All The Time Podcast Network's member podcasts, the Creative Intuitive, Another Digital Citizen, History of Haunting, I love good ghost stories, Round and Round the Podcast, Real AKA Truth Podcast, and I got to give a little sidebar here. These guys are the bomb. They have been like Scarlett's number one fans from the beginning. As soon as they heard us uh, last week while we were down, uh, I was dealing with an illness. Sonia was taking care of some family stuff. We were not able to do our normal Twitter, Instagram shout outs. These guys took over. Nick from Real AKA Truth, he is a superstar uh, and actually was the first person to reach out to us from Pod All The Time and offered for us to be on their show. We couldn't make it work, but we did record a promo and we are so happy and excited and honored to have our voices featured on their show. So please do check them out. Uh, also, we've got the Ruck Up podcast. Random Unnamed Podcast, Suburban Folk, Three Peas Up and Up Podcast, Raw Sex Podcast. Uh, I gotta give a little shout out here too. I was listening to this under my headphones at work. Under my headphones. Emphasis on that. I had to turn it off. You guys talk about some legit stuff. Um, holy cow, major props to you. Keep doing what you're doing, and I'm going to leave it at that. And I think we're doing it, podcast. All proud members of the Pod All The Time podcast network. Uh, so Again, so thrilled and so happy to be with you guys. All right, so we're going to get started here with a rant that I found really funny at the time and it wasn't even the first time I had heard this rant but we have strong opinions about things and we try to cut those opinions out but sometimes they make it in this is one of those times that it didn't make it into the final episode but uh, here is an outtake, a left on the cutting room floor segment from our companion episode from the Aaron Hernandez, uh, well, really the Aaron Hernandez companion episode. Uh, Sonia giving her opinion about the NFL, which I don't agree with because, as I mentioned on that show, I love football. But she brought up some valid points. Ultimately, it didn't make the final cut. But take a listen. It offers some interesting facts that you probably are not aware of. The... Well, 
let's not let them off the hook that much because while it's a business, there was a, their talent development guy or whatever. Somebody gets them an apartment well, and says, okay, so that's, 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 I mean, that's where I'm going they contributed it. to no, this. No, no, they just didn't that's, like that's be I'm, cool with it. I mean, I, come no, on. Uh, that's what I want to talk about because they, he wanted out of New England. He wanted to trade. He, it's either maybe he was trying to run, maybe he thought he needed to get out of there to change his life and turn his life around. The Patriots said no. Whoa, and- hold on, one more thing. The reason you, all of that for sure, but he left a guy alive after shooting him in the face, and so when the guy called him, he was like, who's this? I mean, let's let's be real. If he shot that guy in the face, his number one reason for wanting to get the hell out of there was that he's got a guy who could easily track him down and kill uh-huh. him at any point. Yes. That's where he got paranoid because well, yeah. he knew that there were repercussions to his own actions. His paranoia was real and it was justified. For sure. But he set himself up for that. But he, the Patriots, instead of saying, no, we're going to, you know, instead of saying, yes, we're going to trade you, they, of course, said no, but they contributed to it. Because he has a mansion, he is has a place to live, he lives with his fiance and his daughter, but the Patriots say, hey, I understand, you're concerned. So the Kraft family sets him up with an apartment. Why does he need an apartment? He doesn't. That's where... I think that was his consolation prize for them not trading him. Okay, fine, but... His head still has to be in the game. If they don't give him something, he's probably going to just fall apart and not be as good as, you know, they need him to be. But there's a reason why he wants another place to live. They're clearly not... They don't care. I'm sure they set up all those guys with places that they could go and hang out with their girlfriends. Maybe, but that's... I guarantee you half of those guys have extra places where they do whatever they do. But there's no need for a team to do that. You're already giving the guy $40 million. Uh, I agree Let, with you. So they, that's why I feel like to a certain extent, the Patriots organization has to take some culpability with allowing for this to continue. I agree. I agree. I uh, I think that's consistent behavior for most of the teams in the NFL. By the way, let me remind everybody out there in the world, the NFL the National Football League is a nonprofit organization. I know that drives you nuts. It drives me freaking I crazy. Know. Because you've got an I organization. Don't, I don't disagree. That with, is ridiculous. Well, now if you think about the context of a nonprofit organization, is the non is is a nonprofit organization supposed to act against the goodness and the um, protection of the community? There's nothing that says a nonprofit organization has to act in the best interest of a community. But, but I disagree with you because they're they are absolutely shielded from taxes. They are yes. shielded from so many other things, and the definition of why they are shielded from those things is because they are supposed to be acting in the good faith of the community. That's why they all you know this you know children's hospitals. They're so supportive. They've got all these different blah, whatever it is. But at the end, so they do. That's part of the criteria for you being, um, you know, exempt from taxes, just like the churches. You know, you have to be contributing in some way or else you should be paying taxes. The NFL is not unique in being a nonprofit organization that doesn't operate always in the best interest of the community. There are plenty of those out there. There are, but they should be acting in the good oh, faith. Uh, the good, I mean, seriously, be. that's they the entire point. Be. Yeah, yeah, because otherwise they should be paying taxes. Yes. If it's no, just strictly I... for profit, I mean, that's the difference between being pro- for profit and not. The nonprofit, there has to be some kind of criteria around what a nonprofit actually contributes. Yeah, you no, know? I agree. I mean, what's the trade off for them not paying taxes then? 
I mean, don't get me started because I feel the same about the Catholic Church and them not paying taxes. I think that I think we need to re re uh, revisit the taxation against nonprofits. And I'm not, and I know that would be dev- devastating to a lot of nonprofit organizations. But the, I think the criteria is completely out of whack. If the NFL does not pay taxes, that is crazy considering how profitable they are. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's, it's bananas. Completely, completely out of line. That's ridiculous. Yeah, so sorry. I didn't mean yeah, to go on a tear, but... A, that was quite a digression. Well, you know, I feel... I mean, I, I I think I walked into work one day and I was like, did you know? You, you did, I And remember. I was appalled because I'm like, you know, this is back to, you know, the haves and have-nots. You know, who's paying taxes in this country and who's not? And don't get me started, but again, I think we need to revisit that criteria. I'm confused. Uh, yes, so uh, I actually did a quick little Google search, and the reason that they are nonprofit is because the NFL, the governing body, the National Football League, that organization, does not itself make money. It makes money from the teams that they are part of. Of the NFL, yeah. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. For sure, they I'm still not, they still make a poop load of money. It doesn't I'm not matter what. I'm justifying it. I'm just saying that there's. I mean, essentially, they it, but it's they still the make red tape. It's the it's the cutting corners. I know. Yeah, it's the same. It doesn't matter if it's through the teams or it's through whatever. They still make money. Of course, they still make money. You know, and and again, you know, if your criteria around not paying taxes is that you're contributing something bigger than taxes to the community, in this instance, I don't think they did. I don't think they protected the community in the way that they showed up. Oh, man, I just listened to that for the first time in a while, and I still legit straight up laughed at that. Before the end of this episode, I'll try and uh, make it even tit for tat and find one of my rants. Uh, though that was a doozy. I, that was, uh, that was, this is now like the third or fourth time I've heard that. Movies and TV shows are a big part of our lives. So when we, just part of our our daily conversation, we find ourselves talking about movies. So in a lot of our episodes, you've heard us digress quite a bit, talking about how some of these could make for, or in the past have, made for some really interesting movies, uh, or TV shows for that matter. So here are some clips of what we think have been really good or would make for really good shows or movies, putting our own spin on it. And uh, we're going to start going back to what became our second episode, but was our very first recording from the Casey Anthony Saga Part 2, where we discuss what would happen or what we think would make for a good cast for a movie about the life of Casey Anthony since I dropped the bombshell on Sonia that Casey Anthony is actually developing and shopping around a story of her own. She has a probably early 30s. Uh, Casey's 33 today. She has a booming photography business. If you are in South Florida and want your portrait of your child Casey will be happy to take it for you did she really like she focused on child photography I I just kind of made that up okay I'm like oh my god for real no but she's she's a photographer and um, is she really a photographer she's taking pictures no no no, she's really a photographer so she sells photographs to someone oh I I think it's more that she takes portraits people contract her to take pictures okay yes so someone's senior photo that I see is going to be Casey by Casey Anthony entirely possible <laughs> coming to a modern art gallery near you that is amazing and hey you know i don't 
I don't begrudge her for trying to have a life after Oh, she trial. has to. She's 33 years old. She still has to live the rest of her life. Exactly. And, you know, I'm glad that she has a real job, and I'm, I'm wondering when she'll go back to work at Universal Studios. <laughs> well, that is you the mentioned thing. Universal Studios. So the what I think is the absolute, possibly most fascinating thing about this whole case that I found. There can't be more. Is that Casey is developing a movie based on her life. What? Yes. With who? Hell, she's got connections at Universal. Oh, shame on these people. I okay, I don't know that to be true. But it's absolutely true that she is developing. And I actually wrote this down for 33 years in this, on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, 10 of them were spent with this. Her, the loss of her three-year-old is worth development of a movie. Well, this someone's going to make the movie. This is the whole plan, by the way. This, this woman was so egotistical. I mean, this is what she wanted. It was all about her and the attention. Well, we're... Eight years removed from the end of the trial, I find it pretty amazing there hasn't been a movie about it yet. Well, and okay, also <laughs> keep in mind, she has to pay a lot of money back hundreds of thousands of dollars. She had to pay restitution on the fraudulent checks that she wrote. She has to pay <laughs> she spent the money, <laughs> she has to pay the court fees because essentially the court said. You're not guilty of murder or endangering a child, but you lied to the police, so you have to pay for all of the fees that were incurred from lying and leading detectives in the wrong direction. And that was like $150,000. And she had to pay the Echo Search yep, company. exactly. She had to pay them back because they were pissed. And she has to pay the real Zanny the Manny, Zanida, <laughs> for... Well, how is that name Com out there in the world? I don't even know. <laughs> but who was completely innocent in all of this. So she has to pay Zenaida for ringing her into this whole situation. That poor woman. She had nothing to do with it. She didn't even know who Casey Anthony was. Yeah, but let's think about this. I mean, let's go back to that moment. How did Casey find <laughs> a name that made sense to Zanny the Nanny? Like, okay, God, and did she Google it? Does she like, I mean, is there a phone book with Zannies in it? I don't even, I mean, how, okay. it I, had a, I don't know. There's work there. There totally is. Okay, so Maybe that's what she was doing instead of Universal. So <laughs> developing this movie, and I want to read this verbatim because it <laughs> is so ridiculous. Great. It will be explicit and racy. Casey has been with a lot of men. There will be a lot of sex, but it won't be gratuitous. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's for entertainment. <laughs> I can't wait. She will finally she will finally tell her side of the story. And now, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is like the biggest cliffhanger that we could spend another two hours on. It will also show the way she got pregnant with Kaylee. Oh. What? Exactly. Well, we know how she got pregnant well, with her. What do you exactly, mean? Exactly. Exactly. That's it. That's, that's it. Sex. It's pretty much sex. It's sex. <laughs> but why it was, I, I I'm telling you, I took it word for word because why would you phrase it that way? That we, we've heard the, so, the, the theory that her dad molested her. We also heard the th theory that her brother was DNA tested to see if he was Kaylee's they father. They yes. were. And they were, it was both not, they were both not. Right. And we don't know who... 
Kaylee's father is. There are five potential people that are. <laughs> Get this. I'm not, it still gets weirder. One is a, fo- uh, a former fiance. Three of them have died in car crashes. <laughs> what? Yes. No. Yes. She doesn't know any of them. She just pulled their name out of the obituaries. No. The, are we oh, sure she actually knew okay. any of those people? So one person, uh, like the mother came forward and said that before her son died, she admitted to it. Another friend. He admitted to it. He, he admitted to okay. it. Yeah, he yeah, admitted yeah. having sex with her. Right. Okay. And what, there's DNA there tested. Well, but he's dead. And she's dead. There's no DNA any. Okay, well, okay. Fair enough. But uh, the other one was like, Casey <laughs> told a friend, her like Casey's friend, who the real father was. Okay. And the other one, Casey had a short-term relationship with. Uh, was that what we're calling a one-night stand? <laughs> Maybe it was a one-night stand. A short-term relationship. One of the guys was a one-night stand. That is, is that what a short-term, what is a short-term relationship? I don't know. A one-night stand is a one-night okay. stand. A short-term relationship so, is like a week. So, okay, that's what I'm saying. It's still, we're 11 years later, it's still getting weirder. No, I don't know if this movie's ever going to get made. We know that people develop movies all the time that never go anywhere. Hundreds of thousands, millions of them never happen. I can't believe that this hasn't happened yet. This movie will happen, whether it's by Casey or whether it's someone else. This movie will get made because people are dying to know. And there are so many questions. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit more about this movie. This is how we're going to wrap up our, our first podcast for Scarlet. So I say Casey Anthony. Who plays Casey Anthony in her movie? Oh, God, I hadn't thought about that. Think about so, it. I'm I thinking, feel like this is Natural Born Killers, by the way. That's in ooh, my head. I like it. So, so I like Brad Pitt and Julia Lewis. Is this okay, group, that's fair. Because I think Brad should pay the DJ Anonymous guy. I, uh, okay, <laughs> so I'm going to go with, I, I think Casey has dead eyes. There's something in her eyes. They're not human. And the only person that I can think of that has the same eyes is Kristen Stewart. Oh, oh boy. That would be a couple. Kristen Stewart and Brad Pitt. Yeah. I don't, I mean, Brad single. <laughs> they don't have to be dating <laughs> Thank God. Oh my God. Oh, the dad is played by, what's that guy? Uh, uh, the white hair, I think it was on the nanny show. Uh, oh, I know who you're, I don't know his name. Comedy guy. <laughs> that um, guy. And then the mom. Um, I feel like should have been Carol Burnett like 30 years oh, ago. Oh, I was going to say uh, <laughs> Mayor Winningham. Oh, yeah. Very serious. You're yes. right. With that really bad hair. Yes. She's exactly. never had good hair. <laughs> she has. Really been tired. And I really like her. I know. I do too. She, She's like your friend. Like, she totally is. I I've had a couple phone conversations with her when I worked for her agent. Oh, you did? Yeah. She's Uh-oh. lovely. Oh. <laughs> All right. We'll get your phone colors with your agency on another podcast. <laughs> We will follow this episode up with another. Um, um, okay. Yikes. That's the first time I've heard a clip from that show in a few months. Our audio presence has come a long way since then. At least I certainly hope so because that is not good. Um, all right. So for our next clip, um, our ever-continuous love affair with Cameron Britton continues, except 
it started a little rocky as I referred to him as Mackenzie. And we cannot express how much we love his for his portrayal of Ed Kemper. And he inspired us to do two episodes on Big Ed Kemper. Uh, episodes three and four of the Scarlet TCP. So we discuss his role in Mindhunter and how he not only embodies Ed, but he becomes him and actually portrays Ed in a way that is, I think, makes Ed seem more likable and personable than the man himself. If you go back and watch some of the real life interviews with the murderer, Ed Kemper. We're going to talk movies for a second. 1961, Psycho came out. Mm -hmm. What was it, 1975? I think it was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I love that movie. More or less, both of those movies, they essentially attribute as Ed Gein being the inspiration for those movies. Correct. That is correct. What I didn't realize going into Ed Kemper, all of his tendencies that were almost Gein-like, that he really, I had no idea he desecrated corpses the way that he did. Oh, yeah. I had no clue. I knew him as the guy who picked up co-eds as hitchhikers and killed them and then disposed of their bodies off the side of the road. I had no idea he did the unspeakable, horrendous, horrible things to them. It's almost as though he took inspiration, and I don't know that he even would have had the exposure to know to take inspiration from the likes of Hitchcock and Anthony Perkins in Psycho. If he could have been, if he knew that he was being Norman Bates-like and ultimately Ed Keen-like, but the the ties are there. His relationship with his mother is a eerily similar. Right. A a deep hatred, but also inexplicable love that he couldn't let go of. Yeah, I mean, he was very torn. I don't know if he found inspiration in Ed Gein and and the Norman Bates character in particular, but we know that he spent a lot of time between fifteen years old and twenty one years old. And he spent all of his time with, you know, mentally ill convicts. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think it's a, it's consistent over, you know, history that there are mother issues for most serial killers. Oh. In some way or another, it affected them. A hundred percent. And it, it is kind of weird that you can trace back to what a lot of people consider would be mommy issues mm -hmm. for those serial killers, particularly the ones who target women Really, I mean, it's a lot of it traces back to their upbringing and their relationship with their mother. Oh, yeah. I was just really so taken aback by that because I, I, I went from being really fascinated by Ed Kemper from our conversation about Mindhunter and how he's portrayed, which is eerily accurate. Mm -hmm. The way that the actor portrays Ed in Mindhunter, his mannerisms, his tone, the way he speaks... It is dead on. Oh, yeah. He's great. I'm not sure he's as big as Ed, though. I think he may be a little smaller. He might be a little bit smaller. He's, 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 a, big dude. he's a big guy. Yeah, yeah. But he, he might be a little bit smaller. The biggest difference to me, based on the way the actor plays Ed Kemper versus the real man Ed Kemper, is I feel like the actor, the character Ed Kemper, is more genuine. He has a soft side to him. 
that the real Ed Kemper likes to pretend that he has, but doesn't really. And there's there's almost like an innocence to the character Ed Kemper, almost to the point of, I use this comparison to you, a Forrest Gump-like quality. Like, he's got he this... He wants you to think that. He will. I think... He's the, a sociopath. The, the man Ed Kemper is, the character Ed Kemper, I think, has that softer side yeah. that the man doesn't. Agreed. The character Ed Kemper has the, like, Jenny wants to bring him home and Lieutenant Dan wants you to have his back. But... <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I was expecting when I went into this, is, like, this guy that couldn't control his impulsions, and he had no control. He knew what was wrong, but he couldn't control himself. What I found was a sociopathic, sick, demented horrible person who despite what he may have to say really had full control over what he did and just didn't care but wanted you to believe that he did so back to ed um big ed by the way let's take another step back i know we keep, we're all over the place here but i just want to acknowledge we're that working on that i promise you have a history with ed gein or at least your mother does <laughs> Um, Sorry, Mom. Yeah. So uh, we'll just throw that out there for a later conversation. It's really not a history. Don't get excited about it. All right. Well, we'll save it for later. Little tidbit. One of our uh, our mini episodes, we'll say. We have lots of good stories between us, so we'll share. This is like the evolution of sound quality. That's totally unintentional, but that's really how this is coming across. I also just caught myself saying impulsions. I don't think that's a word. I clearly meant impulses. I'm not an idiot. I promise. All right. For our last clip in this segment, we are going to talk about how our minds seem to meld into what I ended up thinking was a really awesome idea and copyrighted on this episode of what would make for a really good movie if the Slender Man stabbings were made into a fictional movie. Emphasis on fictional. And I actually also want to take this opportunity real quick because maybe we don't say it enough, but I want to say we are an entertainment podcast. We are very passionate about trying to be as factually accurate and stay true to the story as much as possible. Everything that we reiterate or talk about is based off of information cited in our sources that we give credit to. We do not do our own investigations and we do not in any way intend that what we are saying to be fact or truth or based on our own findings. It's just based on the findings and evidence of other people. Also, I want to say all credit, respect, and condolences to the victims. I don't think it gets said enough in true crime podcasts. And Sonia actually recently shared a Facebook post with me with someone talking about this specifically. And uh, I don't know what case it was, but it was referencing that they have a personal connection to a famous case and they were recently listening to a true crime podcast covering that case. And in that podcast, they were talking and laughing about the details of that case. And they found it extremely disrespectful. We have fun. 
as I said, we are an entertainment podcast. We laugh. We have fun. We always try to be respectful. I, I am sincerely apologetic if we are ever disrespectful. That is something that we take very seriously in our recordings. It's also something we take seriously when editing and reviewing to make sure that we always come across as respectful. All due credit and reverence to the victims. This is me in my movie head going, wow. This is like a really interesting story because I could, if I was, if I was writing a screenplay about this, I would continue this as one, the Anissa gets out when she's 35, she starts writing to Morgan in, you know, her, her rehabilitative state. Morgan gets out at 53. Anissa has waited for her. They have been plotting all along to go and continue this you know, try to, try to kill Taylor or try to kill Peyton, but I could see them plot. I, so if I was, you know, so, you know, screenwriter, I am writing now a script about how Anissa has gotten out when she's 35. She started writing to Morgan. They've been plotting all of these years until Morgan gets out when she's 53. And then together they go track down Peyton. And it's like this frigid fond of freaking Jennifer, Jason Lee, like, you know, crazy horror movie where they go and they find her at her house you know when she's she's got to be 53 too right yeah yeah they're all the same age they're all the same age right so they go track her down you know and they're like oh we're gonna finally get you Peyton and Peyton's like god dang it why didn't anybody listen to me and put you guys away for life you know that's the kind of screenplay in my head that I think is entertaining and of course you know it's so far-fetched but at the same time, if I was Peyton and I had gone through all this trauma and this had happened to me and I would, you know, there's uh-huh. a little teeny piece of me that's like, good Lord, when these people get out, oh yeah, 35 and 53, where are they? Can they find me? I'm still scared. What the heck? Where am I going to be? So I'm going to, I'm going to raise your story a little bit because I didn't really even think about that, but in order to tie it in back to Slender Man. And if we're going to take these girls at their words uh, in their true belief of Slender Man, I think that... Then technically it never stops. They keep believing even though they pretend like they don't. That's my point. That's exactly where I'm going. They're still consumed by the idea of Slender Man. Yes. So, well, he's got a captive audience, literally, because they are in freaking jail. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. detention and, you know, psychiatric. And people are still writing stories and articles about it. Well, these it's, are the people, like, I mean, I could see Morgan in her head, like, oh, Slender Man's next to me, you know, yeah. myself for, like, 40 years, you know, calculating and figuring this out with me. Anissa, you know, I'm in jail. Slender Man, Slender Man, Slender Man, Slender Man. I mean, what are these girls thinking about Okay, so let's say, of course, all hypothetical. We hope none of this happened, but we're writing a movie. This is right a now. filmmaker's point of view. Yeah, so we're, we're talking ju- about a screenplay. Yeah, we're talking. We're we're actively, lively in the moment writing a screenplay. <laughs> so, all right, so it's going to be huge, by the way, folks. So the, the girls get out. <laughs> uh, they track down Peyton. Yeah, they succeed. They go through with it, and they murder Peyton. Yeah. And now, in my mind, they go into a forest-like situation. Think Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, I love that movie. I know. It's so good. And so... Oh, God. They ultimately go into... Like, they go down into the forest. I don't know. They go downstairs, or maybe they just go through the forest. And they find Slender Man's castle. And so he is seated, go, and yes. he is seated there yes. in, on a throne, 
and he dubs them or knights them official proxies, what they've always wanted their entire life. So are you saying that their fantasy for them becomes real and then they go off? Is this an alternative universe or alternate universe? So I think it could go one way or another. It could be an alternate universe or it could be... I mean, if you want the biggest bang for your buck... The point of it is that you prove that Slenderman's real. Exactly. That's Slender, what I'm Slenderman's real. That's, what, that's where I originally was Lynch going. scares the bejesus out of people. Yeah, is to prove that he's real. The alternate is that this is all happening in their heads. Yeah. Well, I think it could be both. Because I think that's the same with Pan's Labyrinth, which is a fantastic movie. And people, if you haven't seen Please the movie, watch it's it. beautiful. But, um, that... It's it's all about perception. Mm-hmm. Like for the girls, they could go off into their mansion and wouldn't you know Slenderman, but the reality of it is, is they just go off and just sit down in the wood and die. Yeah, you know, like I mean, there's not much differentiation between those two when you're talking about like this this lapse of reality, right? No, right. And the contact, you know, it's just um, God. I mean, and, and we're not I, saying that this is a great story, but we're saying this is a great. It's a great story. It's not a great situation because there's an actual events and there are actual people tied to it. But if you were going to write a screenplay about something, this would be really interesting. There's a lot of avenues to cover. And once this is public, this is officially copyrighted by us. So if anyone else tries to make this story, we get the royalties. <laughs> I think there's a uh, fan. I, Eli Roth, where are you, buddy? You need to make this movie. Ooh, I would like to see it go to. Uh, oh, what's the name of what's the name of the company? They're doing the Blumhouse. Uh, yes, I would love to see this go to Blumhouse. <laughs> I would love that because they take more of a psychological uh, take on things, and Eli Roth is more just violence. All right. Well, okay. I promise. I tried. I tried looking for something that I cut where I ranted and raved, and it turns out I left all of my rants in. But I promise. Next time, I will, sometime in the next 20 episodes or whenever we actually do maybe like a real best of that is not required by a once in a millennia outbreak, uh, I, I will make sure that I have some sort of a rant and rave so I can release it specifically for this so it doesn't seem like I'm picking on Sonya because I promise I'm not. But... A couple of things that I did come across as I was going through our previous episodes is a couple of times that kind of harkens back to what I was just discussing about giving true respect to the victims. And that's really less about giving true respect to the victims, but conversations that we had about respect for mental health and respect and love for one another and how we should just treat people fairly. So to wrap this up with a couple of positive and uplifting clips maybe I'll tack on a few humorous ones at the very end but uh, I think I'm going to lead in here to how we discuss mental health and how it is very important that if you are truly having struggles it's okay to get help and whatever help you need Whatever is best for you is best for you. And don't let anyone tell you differently. That's all I have for this case. Um, You know, again, 
all due respect to the fam, all of the families. And I hope they can heal from this. You know, my take, my final take on this is again, I, um, I appreciate the mental issues and trying to get folks help and rehabilitation. And I'm glad that, um, at least Morgan is in a place that can help her. It sounds to me like Anissa's still in jail, juvenile jail. Is that correct? No, no, no. Anissa's in the hospital with her. Great. It, with her. Well, no, no contact. Yeah, yeah. They're both in, yeah, they're both in the hospital. Yeah. Because I, I've always found it really strange that people seem to think that folks who have mental problems should be in jail. It doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. That's not the place where they get help. I mean, a great case for that. Charles Manson. And I know everybody hates Charles Manson, but if you think about Charles Manson and the way that he conveyed his message, while he was a lot more aggressive, he was still very confident in his communication. And he believed what he believed so strongly that nothing else mattered. And, and that's honestly the way Morgan kind of reacted to this. She's a 12 year old girl, sweet, nice. Then you got crazy Charlie Manson over here. But at the end of the day, both had mental issues, both needed help. You know, and Charlie went to jail and never got that help. And I think that's probably one of the biggest problems we have in this country is the way that we approach, you know, rehabilitation in jail in general. You know, the always the conversation. Is it punishment or is it rehabilitation? Are you really just sticking someone in a hole and mm -hmm. just saying, bye, you're never coming out again. We don't want to hear from you. But if we're really talking about taking people and putting them in a situation where they can improve their lives and come out as, you know, productive citizens, that's a different approach altogether you know, mental, mental illnesses, illnesses come in a variety of shades and colors and, um, and extremities, honestly. I mean, you know, like you said, it's a spectrum. Some people could have no issues, um, but it doesn't take much or a traumatic event could really push them over the edge. So to finish this, I'm going to go a little after school special, but I think it is still very important. If anyone is out there, uh, listening and having issues, whether it's uh, schizophrenic-like issues, whether you're dealing with anxiety or depression, please get help. It makes a difference. Medication is okay, and uh, it's, it's a problem and a stigma that we have in this country, but I don't think it's one that we should because I think it affects more people than people realize, and uh, it's important that it's treated properly and that stigma is broken down. Absolutely. I 100% agree with Brittany. There's nothing wrong with reaching out and getting help. There's nothing wrong with talking to people if you think that they need help. There are ways to do it that's not intrusive. Be a human. Be nice to your people and ask them how they are. And maybe they'll tell you the truth and tell you that they need some help. And please help them. Sonia was really excited and passionate about talking about Julia Pastrana. And once I dove into it, I got really excited and passionate about it also. I think it actually surprisingly hit us harder and hit home a little bit more than what we expected. So here is a clip from our wrap-up of the Julia Pastrana episode talking about how we just need to be more accepting and understanding and treat each other a little bit better. I think the most fascinating part about this is less about Julia Pastrana, even though she is a very fascinating person, but the conversations that it open up, opens up to the other side, the other types of people, and the way that life happens away from what we see and how other people experience life. There is a great line in Freaks 
with uh, one of the main characters who is a little person and who has the face of a child, a young child at that. <laughs> and uh, it, it's he's the central character for which the, the main plot, main narrative is built around. And he says early in the movie, I may look like what I do, but I'm still a man inside and I'm still a person. And oftentimes I think that gets forgotten. So yeah. I think yeah, it does. that to me is really what the biggest takeaway is. Julia is a fascinating person in her own right, but she is one example of a plethora of other people out there that may be exploited or living life in a way that most people have no visibility or thought to. Yep. All right, that's all touchy-feely and whatnot, but I said I was going to end it on a lighthearted fun note. And listening back to all of our episodes, I think the most fun that we had was when we were doing our top three. And our first top three episode was a top three most impactful, most affecting drug overdoses, celebrity drug overdoses. And you can really hear it in our voice when we're having a lot of fun. And so I'm going to play the segment where I am talking about my number two, Prince. And somehow we segue, as we often enough do, into talking about my job in high school as a concert usher and how little 16, 17-year-old me trying to force back thousands of fans it's a really awful idea and Sonia has some fun interesting quips as I do my unintentional best to entertain us all okay so for my number two it's your number three Prince because even though I was not as emotionally attached to Prince <laughs> like you were uh, I did not go into a sexually attached to princess, but it really was. It wasn't emotional. You at all. went into like a depression. You straight up said, "Do not talk to me about Prince." I did not feel that way. <laughs> but I really, you really did. <laughs> you really, really did. Okay. Uh, cuckoo, cuckoo. <laughs> that's why I was surprised he was all the way at number three for you. So, <laughs> so Prince for me was uh, similar in that of. Michael Jackson, where I was also late to the Prince party and didn't really get into his music until later in life. And the way that I got into his music was I ushered concerts at an amphitheater in high school. And one of the concerts I ushered was Prince. Uh, okay, that's freaking dreamy, by the way. Prince, Let me just tell you. like Which part? That's the greatest job ever. You're uh, an usher, ushering... At a Prince concert? Like, it, was, it was pretty... It, anything else? <laughs> it, was, it was. It was. There were times that the job was amazing. And then there are other times that, uh, like, a Kid Rock concert where I straight up was trampled because... Uh, oh. that's, <laughs> that's not a joke. He, uh, so he, he decided to go I'm into so the... I'm so sorry. That's right. Yeah, funny. thanks for laughing. I'm sorry. Uh, so he... Uh, I'm so, clumsy, too. Come okay, on. So, well, okay, this had nothing to do with me being clumsy. I'm super clumsy. This had nothing to do with it. <laughs> It had to do with, uh, okay, 16-year-old, like, 100-pound me. I'm more than 100 pounds now. But 
small 16-year-old me trying to be security at a kid rock concert. And Whoever put you in that position, by the way, should be, like, shot. Though. Yeah, what no, were they thinking? That's true. So he decided to go into the audience. This is a total sidebar. He decided to go into the audience without, like, telling anyone in advance. Favorite. Yeah. So, of course, when he did, he, like, jumps and is, like, running through the audience I'm, like, standing in front of a barricade. <laughs> Again, 16-year-old, 5-foot-1, 100-pound Britney. And there are, like, hundreds of people steamrolling me trying to get <laughs> Kid Rock. Why were you the only thing between uh, them and Kid Rock? Because no one knew that he was actually going to do that. <sighs> Did you thank him later for putting your life into his hands? I have... <laughs> I was never really a Kid Rock fan. I, there are a couple songs I don't mind of his, but I was never really a fan of his. After that moment, I was so mad. So that was like... Was he drunk or just probably, stupid or probably, probably both? Uh, and then, uh, so another another sidebar about the... Artist. Negative experience of uh, doing that, and then I'll get back to Prince. Uh, so the, uh, the first time I ever got high was uh, accidentally at a Grateful Dead concert... <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing accidental about getting high at a Grateful Dead concert, uh, there except is- for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so okay. okay, we like had to come in early for extra. Training. You were working. Let me just. I was working. Okay, I, I just working. want to clarify. Yeah. Like, did you actually go for fun and no. think you weren't gonna? No, get no, no, no. I All was, right. wor- I, I was just... working, and it, okay, right. it wasn't the Grateful Dead. It was the Dead because, of course, Jerry Garcia died in 1994. But whatever. So we had to, we had to go in early. <laughs> is that why they went from? Yeah, that's okay, why they went from Grateful Dead to the Dead. Okay. Um, so we this to, is a good story. I know. We had to go in early for advanced training, and literally we were told, don't care about the pot, don't care about the drunks, we are concerned about the people on acid and LSD. Like, if you see marijuana, don't worry about it. You're not going to see acid and LSD, because they would have taken it, like, an hour and a half before they got there, so they'd be like peeking you, by now. What well, the hell? No, they're not no, running around with it. No, no, they're not. But you, there were a lot of people escorted out of that show because they were tripping bad. Oh, what do you mean tripping bad? Like a bad trip, or they were just really tripping? Those are that's a there's a difference there. I don't <laughs> if you think that people aren't going to a Grateful Dead concert to trip, then I mean, no, you, like you would have to arrest everybody once again. Well, okay, let's call it a bad trip. Having bad trips. Uh-huh. So. I'm not sure what that looks like from the outside, but I can tell you what it looks like from the inside. I'm gonna, it ain't fun. Okay. I'm so gonna, thanks for arresting them because it probably made it so much better. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Way to go. Uh, Ruin the second trip. But there was <laughs> so much weed at that concert. Uh-huh. That's why I'm saying that is how I accidentally <laughs> got high. <laughs> I did not actually enjoy that. Uh, okay, so no, now, because you were probably so paranoid about being high while you were working. I, I wasn't really trying to block Kid Rock from uh, getting. Uh, um, Everybody, stay away. I think that was Phil Lash, right? Who? Who's the dead? I don't. F- are you? Who are you? Fish? Ask it. No, I don't. Really? I don't. Know. I think he's neither one. Don't care. Okay. <laughs> All right. So back to Prince. So so the Prince concert. Uh, Prince is notoriously. Late at starting his show. A hundred percent. I saw him at the House of Blues in Anaheim. Uh, or, I'm sorry, in, uh, on Sunset. On Sunset, right? On an yeah. accidental afternoon concert. Yeah. So he's notoriously late. I think his set was supposed to start at like, 
I don't know, 8.30 or 9 or something. And he didn't come on until like 10 o'clock. Because he's on Prince time. Good, because yeah. he can be. It's he is Prince. Absolutely. Whatever. He can do whatever he wants. Clearly. So, again, here I am, I don't know, 16 or 17 at the time, whatever I was, amphitheater of like 27,000 people. <laughs> there was an opening act. I don't remember who it was. And then there's like an hour and a half break. Vanity. Who do you think it was? I don't <laughs> Just kidding. Mary Jane girls. <laughs> I mean, to run to the list uh, of uh, Lisa and what's her fudget. Uh, <laughs> the doctor played a, like an opening guitar riff. I don't know. Or keyboards. He was keyboards. Uh, More stay in the time. Um, <laughs> is it my, just, oh, my is this God. just off? <laughs> uh, stop it. Uh, I'm trying to tell a story. Go ahead. So, he, um, you should go back and try and remember that, though, because right now that that would probably be a pretty good show to see. The, the opening for Prince. He probably, I'm sure it was. <laughs> I'll probably try. I'll, I'll try and figure it out. Please I'm sure do. I can figure it out. Okay. Anyway, so 27,000 people sitting around waiting for Prince are all angry and pissed off. And why isn't he going? What are we doing here? Blah, 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 blah. They shouldn't have been mad because if they really like Prince, it wouldn't have mattered. Number one. Number two, they wouldn't be surprised. So... I These were amateur Prince uh, followers, so screw them true. anyway. So I was, uh, I mean, I was getting angry and frustrated, too, because I kind of knew, I had heard about Prince time, like you said, <laughs> but I was just getting really frustrated. Like, it's getting late, people are getting angry, I have to catch the bus home, the bus stops running at a certain time, blah, 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 blah. He came out, he did his set, it was everything you expect in a Prince set, and then his encore was Purple Rain. Oh, I love it him was so much. unquestionably the greatest individual song live performance <laughs> of anything I have ever seen. It was unreal and it made all the angry fans and the time wasted and the delays all worth it. He was amazing. I'm glad you had that epiphany and I'm sad that you were so worked up about it going so poorly at the beginning because uh remember, remember like i said 16 17 year old me 27,000 people i can't believe there were 27 i mean i can't believe there were 27,000 people there but when i saw him um yeah but you saw him you saw him at the house of blues that's I, a very small venue and it was a, it was like a not a private show but he was playing at the forum in la and like he you know, popped something out on Facebook and like, you know, hey, if you're around at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday in L.A., you know, I'm, you know, warming up, you know, over here at the House of Blues on Sunset, which is pretty small. Yeah. And so uh, I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm sorry, but this is Prince and everything else has to stop because I'm going to run my ass over <laughs> yeah, from the you. valley, oh, which I sure. did. Came over here, ran in there, got my tickets, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I am in that door watching Prince warm up for his show. He didn't play any of his um, of his hits because he was warming up. And uh, it was amazing. And I was so close to him, and I don't really think he realized how close he was to just being tackled by a woman right in front of him. <laughs> um, but, man, I uh, he looks beautiful. He's got, you know, oh, his giant boots he wears. I mean, he's just adorable. He's amazing. Everything that I thought it would be was that and more. And um, that's why he, you know, he's definitely on my list. But I appreciate that he's on your list as number two. Yeah, definitely. So I'm, I'm still trying to figure out who opened for him. But uh, I did just read something about, a, like, a review at the time. They estimated there was actually 40,000 people that were there. I'm not surprised. It he was, was amazing. It, he was amazing. When I saw him at the House of Blues, it was no more than 300 people. 
Oh, I believe that. I don't even know how I got from the valley to uh, over the hill (laughs) in that speed. Honestly, I miss a hauled ass. Uh, Anywho, uh, so that was a good story, Brittany. Uh, I I really appreciate that. Appreciated that. That was awesome. All right. Uh, (laughs) Your moments where you like, you know, these. I I mean, that's a big moment for you in your life, and I think it's so awesome. I would have loved to been there with you when that went down. Uh, Trying to keep people from being high at a Grateful Dead concert. You're crazy. All right, moving on. All right, Scarlettos, thank you for tuning in. We are thrilled to have you on board. We are so excited to get back together to be recording in the next few days and have new episodes coming for you starting right away on Wednesday and then again on Sunday. Uh, It's actually kind of funny. Our next topic deals a lot with health, so it is pretty timely. And this is like the longest we've gone without being around each other. I think we've spent like an hour and a half together in the last 10 or 11 days. So it's like a family reunion. But of course, as always, shout out to all of our supporters. We haven't given props in a little while. So props to John McGrew for our kick-ass song that we continue to get compliments about. And Juan Maison-Leon for our logo. A shout out to Juan. Everyone is waiting and it, on bated breath for the comeback of season six of Rick and Morty. Juan, of course, is a director on Rick and Morty, so we're all super excited there. And for our show, we have swag. If you want to add to your Scarlet love by donning some awesome Scarlet swag that you can see on our Twitter and Instagram pages, check us out at tpublic.com. Follow us on Twitter at Scarlet Podcast on Instagram, scarlet.tcp. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. We are so happy to have all of you as our fans, even if you are just a casual fan. Like, share, and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. It makes a world of difference, please. All the downloads and subscriptions we can get are super helpful. Again, we are honored to be part of the Pod All the Time podcast network. And most importantly for everyone out there, please stay healthy. Coming back soon, we are the Ladies of Scarlet. Keep killing it. (laughs) 